Okay, so we're in Psalm 1, so you might want to open your Bible. Right in the middle, you'll find the Psalms, and we want number one. Number one is like an introduction to the book of Psalms. There's 150 of them. Uh, Jesus quoted more from the Psalms than anything else. It's one that people like to memorize, learn, meditate on. All that's good. And when we find Psalm 1, we are presented at the very beginning of this book that comes as part of the wisdom, wisdom kind of books with two ways to live. Who remembers the old two ways to live kind of track that we used to give out? No? Nobody? No one's seen two ways to live? Oh, that's a classic. <laughs> okay, well, we'll move on then. Okay, so let us begin. I don't have a clicker to move on the slides. I would like one, because I feel that you may not keep up with me. <laughs> so, all right, Pete's gone, so we'll be fine. In the meantime, let's have the, fir- the first um, slide. So we start with, blessed is the one. There we go, Brilliant. So I want you to think in your head to start, because it's always good to engage. I know, we're going to struggle a bit, aren't we? But Hannah's assured me she's going to jump between the two, so you'll get it big and small. How I'm going to read it, I don't know, because I haven't got them all down. So we'll see how we go. Anyway, blessed. So what does blessed mean? How would you define the word blessed? So have a little think in your head. You don't have to shout it out. It's fine. Don't have to talk to anyone. It's all good for the introverts right now. Blessed. What's blessed to mean? Let me check the time so I know when to be quiet. Okay. So let's look at some definitions. They're going to come up now, hopefully. See, this is why I just got so many today, Hannah. I feel that. Thank you very much. So we've got two. We've got one from dictionary.com and one from Cambridge. And there's the first stuff about being holy and sanctified. We could be blessed. As in, if you remember, like the temple, they bless a bowl and then you could use it there. But then there's all this stuff about being supremely favored and fortunate and bringing you happiness, luck, or something you need. And that's sort of very much the kind of blessing that we might see if we, you don't know, if you're down with the kids, you like a bit of Instagram, you might see hashtag blessed. Um, And it's all about favor and what you receive and say, oh, I'm living my best life and all that sort of thing. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, in the Bible, we see, yeah, the favor of God and everything we have is from him and we should rejoice in that. But the word here doesn't work. (laughs) Is it on even? I love this. Give it a wiggle. That normally works, doesn't that? Yeah. So the word here is not that word, though. It's a different word. And this word is more about uh, kind of the blessed life. Rather than what you've got or you've received or you have, stuff or possessions or being, but it's about a kind of looking at someone else and going, you know, they live a blessed life. And it won't necessarily be about what they have. There's just a certain... There's something about them. So let's look in the Psalms themselves. We've got four options here of what this word means. They're going to define it themselves. Um, And it comes under this idea that the blessed is the one trusting in God, forgiven by God, satisfied by God, and in the presence of God. So those sorts of things. There's the person trusting, they're forgiven, 
They're in the presence. They're dwelling with the Lord. So what does it look like to live this blessed life, one whose transgressions are forgiven? Well, here we have these three statements, walk, stand, sit. And the first one, walk in step with the wicked. We can think of that as maybe a backwards way of looking at what's good. What's good is bad, what's bad is good. Sometimes it's translated as criminal. Okay, so we can go with that. Stand in the way of sinners, the sinner, that sinners take. Um, so we think of sin as maybe missing the mark. Um, and in the New Testament, um, that perfect mark, if you think of like a dartboard right at the center, it's very easy to miss, but that perfection, um, Jesus sums up. He says the whole law can be summed up in love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So those things, if you failed in any way, you've missed the mark. And then finally, sit in the company of mockers. And we can think of these who perhaps so far gone, perhaps, that um, they just have a bit of contempt, really, for anything other than themselves. They're so inward now. They're bragging, perhaps. And they can no longer really appreciate what is good and beautiful and worth valuing. So we've got these things, and the blessed ones have nothing to do with that. Um, So they won't take advice from the wicked. They won't, uh, it says... Uh, stand, we can think of that as imitate, look like them, and they won't sit in the company. So we think of sitting as really uh, embedded and enmeshed in that way of thinking and life. So we've got this sort of progression from listening to imitating to being completely dwelling in that way of life. But the blessed one will not have any of that. So what will the blessed one have? It says, but those who delight in the law of the Lord and who meditate on his law day and night. So he's been talking, the writer, about walking, standing, sitting. And you think maybe there would be like, oh, I don't know, walk in the way of the Lord or dwell in the company of the saints. But he doesn't do that. He goes for meditating. So why have we jumped from something physical and moving and outward to meditating? So it could be an inward thing. We've gone from external to inward to go to the heart of where everything comes from. Out of the heart flows the life, doesn't it? And the blessed one will delight or take pleasure in the law or the Torah. Now, we think Torah strictly as the first five books, but it's used much broader than that in the Bible. So all of Scripture, the advice, the counsel, and instruction of the law. And this person will chew it over. And a good picture for this is that imagine a camel. We say to our kids, chew like a camel, because we want them to chew their food properly uh, and to have their mouths closed. (laughs) We're still struggling. Anyone? Anyway, so chew like a camel. 
okay? And, and you chew it over. And there's almost a sense in this word of a noise as well. So I don't know if you're like me. I kind of hum when I eat. And my brothers found this hysterical when they found out that gorillas also hum when they eat. So anyway, mm, so that's the picture that we're looking at here, meditating on Scripture, And so we've got these two choices. You can do this or this, but the the blessed one, this one that's blessed, they are forgiven, they are trusting in God, they're in God's presence, they see him face to face. They are the ones that, they're doing all that, and they're not walking that way. And what are they looking like? Here we have a picture of a tree. A person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. And of course, trees and water are throughout the Bible. Um, The people that read this first, they'd be thinking of Genesis maybe, the tree of life and the streams that run through. and be thinking, oh, that person is like that. Uh, We might think of Revelation when we look forward to the picture of the heavenly city. We get there. We can have a look at that, in fact. We've got the river of the water of life flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And it yields its fruit and its leaves never wither. And, and the fruit is ongoing. It's not just a one-off thing a year, but it's continually every month. So there's sort of this, p- p- this picture of getting nourishment and everything you need and the, the leaves of the healing of the nation. So every goodness and healing and satisfaction and wholeness is coming from this place. And, and the, the blessed one is going to be like this tree. The blessed one is the one that uh, provides healing. The blessed one is the one that's uh, nourishing other people, is giving life to others. This is the kind of tree that they're going to be like. And they're receiving this from the river. And of course, the water of life is picked up by Jesus, isn't it? He just meets the woman at the well, and he said, if you knew, um, if you knew uh, who it was that was speaking to you, you would have asked them to give you a drink. And they were giving you living water, water that will help you live and flourish and prosper and, and do, do life well and, and to be the blessed one. Of course, in Revelation, Jesus also says about the spring of water of life that he'll give it to free to those that are victorious. Now, <clears throat> we've got this blessed one then providing fruit. And fruit, of course, is also picked up throughout the Bible, isn't it? If we, oh, I think that's going to be too small, Hannah. <laughs> you Yeah, oh, I like that. Anyway, so we've got lots in the New Testament. You'll be thinking about the fruit, the, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of righteousness, it's called in Philippians. It's when you're welling up and you're producing fruit in your life. So imagine here you are, your tree, you're the blessed one, you're chewing away and you're making all those noises. And out of you, from the spring, from the water that you're receiving, Holy Spirit in you, you're producing fruit. And what's that fruit look like? Of course, we've got the joy, we've got peace, we've got patience, we've got kindness, we've got goodness, faithfulness, self-control, and on and on this producing fruit. And whatever they do prospers. Now, this word prosper, advance, victorious, thrive. This is the blessed life. The blessed one will prosper. But what does it look like to prosper? 
We're back to that question again. What's the blessed one? What is it to prosper? What is it ours to prosper? So have a think. Extroverts are desperate to talk at this moment. But we will, we will be with the introverts today. <laughs> so we... Excellent, yeah, so... Pardon? Oh, thank you. Right, so to prosper. Now, prosperity could be about financial gain, couldn't it? And we might all be familiar with maybe the prosperity gospel, and we might be like, oh, that's not great, you know. If you do this, you will receive this. And it can seem a little bit like this in Psalm 1, can't it? If you, then this will happen. A will equal B. What does it mean to prosper? And, and this is popular, isn't it? This idea. And, and because God does bless us, because God does give us good things, because God does shower us with blessing, and it is amazing to be in his presence and to know him. But if we just think of prosperity in terms of what we have, then we're going to struggle. And we know that um, in the Old Testament, we see in the Psalms people who struggle. You know, they're saying, you know, why are they, uh, why are they prospering? You know, you get those sorts of, of Psalms, don't you? Why is it that they've, um, they're doing that? Uh, what have I got up there? Oh, yeah, there we go. See? So it's about the evildoers. Why are they prospering? Why do the wicked people succeed? Why is it that when I do the right thing, my life hasn't quite worked out in prosperity? Why hasn't that happened for me? And those questions are there. And they're just as well, if you read the book of Job, him and his friends sitting down discussing this. They're saying, you must have done something wrong because your life is looking really bad. You know, they're sort of sitting with him and he's like, I haven't done anything wrong. And they're like, you must have. Your life is terrible. And you've got this kind of picture. And, and in the book of Job, it's sort of, it's talking about that, isn't it? It's wrestling with that thought of, but I've lived for you, God. I've meditated on your words. I've chewed on what you've said. I've tried to do the right thing. And yet, it's not always worked out for me. And does it mean that if you're, if you're poor, well, you're not blessed? If you're sick, you're not, if you're grieving, you're not blessed? Well, Jesus picks it up in the New Testament, doesn't he? So no, they, you are blessed. So we've got something happening here. And in Jesus' life, the one most perfectly fulfilling and meditating, you couldn't say that Jesus had done anything wrong. In fact, it says sinless in every way. And yet his life is not easy. He doesn't look particularly prosperous. It looked like his life was a failure when he died on the cross, rejected by all. So it cannot mean that. Uh, let's look at this. It's a massive one in Romans 8, but you might be familiar with it. And Paul's talking about this. He's talking about them in dire circumstances, in trouble and hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, and the sword. And yet in all of this, he's talking about God giving them all things. And he says, verse 37, no, we are more than conquerors. We are prosperous. We are the victorious ones. And why? Because nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God. 
He comes back to blessed is the one. Blessed is the one. What are they, the blessed ones? They are the ones that are forgiven. They are the ones redeemed. They are the ones satisfied by God, who see God face to face, who know the unending presence and love of God. And as Paul says, this is the most valuable thing. Everything, he says, I consider rubbish, absolute tosh, worthless, disgusting, compared with the blessing of knowing Jesus. And here is where we see the Christian, I like to call it the superpower, (laughs) superman. Because here in 2 Corinthians, he's writing in the midst of severe trial and extreme poverty, these Christians show the fruit of the Spirit. They overflow with joy and they are rich in generosity. That has to be a superpower. Where can you be in extreme trial and extreme poverty and yet still know joy and still know generosity. Because that is the Christian superpower. And it comes from the dwelling roots in the spirit and in the word. Because there we know the presence of God. That is the blessing of knowing that whatever happens, we are forgiven. And the kingdom will always prosper because that cannot be taken away. But not so the wicked. It says they're like chaff. And this is when you look at the other side and you think, well, they seem to be doing really well. They don't do anything right. They just do whatever they like. And look at them. They're doing fantastic. They look so happy. Their lives are brilliant. It says, no, their lives are like chaff. At the end, though they may have stood in prosperity and walked in what looked like the victory, they will not be able to stand in the assembly of the righteous. They won't be able to. And it's tricky, isn't it? Because at this point, if we really look at ourselves, we know, oh, I can't stand in the assembly of the righteous either. I don't know about you. I don't think I can. I've certainly missed the mark. I don't hit it. I'm not there. I can't say, oh, my left is perfect. Thank you. I have nothing wrong. I am so good. And everyone knows that I'm not. If you spend a few minutes in my home, probably see me. Maybe not the calmest person at times. Maybe I might lose it a bit. Poor children. (laughs) Maybe I'm not always the most sacrificial. Maybe I don't joyously bound up to the washing up, going, let me serve you, family. Oh, let me show you love. No, I don't mind that you left your socks behind the sofa again. (laughs) Is that annoying? What is it with the sock thing? Why do they take their socks off and put them down the back of the sofa? Why do they do that? I don't know. Anyway, moving on. (laughs) So if we go back to Psalm... What have I got here? Psalm 32. Remember those blessed ones. They were the uh, transgressions forgiven. They had the sin that didn't count against them. They had taken refuge in the Lord. They follow his guidance and they trust in him. They trust in him. The righteous, this righteousness is given through faith. It's through trust in God. Second one, 
to be found in him, that's Jesus, not having a righteousness of my own. It's not something that I work really hard at. I'm such a good person. I've just tried really hard, and now Jesus is going to reward me. But it comes from Jesus through faith in Christ Jesus. And right at the bottom it says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And I've always had it like this. It would be like, um, I've seen this a few times. So here is us, and this is all the things we've done wrong. This is Jesus. And on the cross we, we get to do that. And now we're the blessed ones. We're blessed. Look, la la la, I'm so free. And instead of the sin, we get the righteousness. And that's the simple, simplicity of it, isn't it? The trusting, a gift, given, not earned. And this is where my chairs come in. Because in Ephesians, we see the sit, walk, stand thing again, don't we? This, we say, um, the blessed is the one who does not um, walk in the way of the wicked. Um, and then finally, they sit in the seat of mockers. But in Ephesians, we see that we get to sit in the heavenly realms with Christ Jesus. And um, might not seem that amazing a lot of the time, but I think I read it the other day and I just thought, I felt quite overwhelming. You know, we've done nothing to be here. It isn't that we were nice people or God went, oh, they're trying really hard. Go on then, up you go. It's none of that, is it? It's a total and utter gift. Jesus says, come sit. Come sit with me. You're the righteous ones. And it's not because you've done anything. But just sit and be in my council instead. You don't have to get advice over there or instruction. You can just get it from me. And once we're sitting, then we can stand. We can begin to imitate Jesus. And we can begin to walk. Walk the way. Walk the way of Jesus but we don't get it the wrong way around. We start from this place of sitting and we get here because of the cross, because of what Jesus did on the cross. He took all our sin, all our wrongdoing, everything, and we're free. That's the blessed one, isn't it? The truly blessed one is the one whose sins are not counted against them. Everything's gone. Whatever we've done, we might have messed up. We might have lost it with our kids. We might have messed up at work, we might feel shame about our past, things we've said and done, things that have been done to us, things that have got in the way. We might have that thing that keeps coming back to our mind all the time. We think, why can't I just let that go? Like, Why do I still feel guilty about that? Why do I still feel shame about that? And on the cross, we get to give it all to Jesus, and he's come sit with me. All gone. I think that is good news. Is that not good news? Does anyone think that's good news? Well, there's a few people nodding. Yeah, it's good news, isn't it? And this is what we have, the blessed life. And sometimes we might think, you know, I try really hard, but it still goes wrong. But it says, the last thing it's saying in that last bit, um, let me bring it out because it's gone. It says here, for the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. And that watches over is he knows 
He's knowledgeable. He sees it. So you might have been working really hard and just think, do you know, what was the point? No one noticed, no one cared, nothing changed. But it says here, the Lord knows. The Lord knows. And that's our faithfulness, isn't it? That we keep going because we know that he knows. Let's pray. Jesus, we, we come before you now and we know that we've got nothing. It's all you. And we're so, so thankful for the cross. we pray in this coming week we remember where we're seated and we keep your counsel this week keep listening to what you have to say keep receiving from you that living water that we're really really not just wanting to be fans of you Jesus but followers of you this week Amen.